The need for control in our lives is everywhere. Uh, we hear it from voices from outside of us all day long. It's sort of the internal voice that we have within ourselves that we need to get control or we need to gain control. We need to have control over our work, over our families, over our money, over our emotions. And hard as we might strive to gain control in every single part of our lives, what's true is that there are innumerable things in our lives that are absolutely out of our control. Control is ultimately an illusion. And when we gather for worship, and we come to worship, what God is doing is he is inviting us to relinquish the reins of control and to see and step into something bigger, a bigger reality than our need to control stuff. And that bigger reality is into his presence and into his power and into his grace. Hear God call us to worship this morning. This is from Psalm 36, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Beloved, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's stand and worship our God together. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Now we're going to look at verses 25 through uh, 34 uh, together today. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, the, the words should be on the screen and they're also in your bulletin as well. But um, to get us up to speed, this passage that we're going to look at today comes on the heels of Jesus teaching us how to pray. Um, which Dave talked about last week. And then after Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, he goes into this section about where we find our treasures. Do we lay up our treasures here on earth, or do we lay them up in heaven? Um, and that passage, uh, Jesus is really uh, pointing out our temptation to place our security and money and treasures on earth instead of with him in heaven. Uh, with our passage today that we're going to talk about, Jesus actually continues to sort of double down on where we find security. And he does that by looking at and addressing something that every human being struggles with, anxiety and worry. So let's hear Jesus pastor us together this morning. I'm going to ask us this morning, if you guys wouldn't mind standing um, as we read God's word, uh, Christ's church has stood at the reading of his word for, uh, for centuries, and I'm going to ask us to do that together this morning. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Uh, this is God's grace to us, beloved. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this morning and I would dare to say that every single person in this room has worried about something this morning. Uh, And we need you. We need your word. We need our Savior, Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to see that in Jesus, we have everything. Would you help us to fix our eyes on that this morning? And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Anxiety and worry is something that every single person that I have ever met is willing to admit that they struggle with. I don't know a single person, anyone, who has never worried about anything. I myself am a worrier. Um, I worry about all kinds of stuff. Uh, I worry about my house and what's the next big thing that's going to go wrong with it that's going to cost however a much amount of money. I wonder about, uh, I worry about my car. Is it going to hold up? How much longer is it going to hold up? I worry about my children, about their education, about their futures. I worry about mine and Carrie's uh, future as well too. I worry about things at home But I also worry about things in the broader culture as well, too. As Frank already pointed out to us this morning, uh, not less than two weeks ago, a man showed up at a Walmart in El Paso and just mowed some people down. And then shortly after that, at a bar in Dayton. And I find myself asking, what what in the world is going on? And and anxiety just, just creeps in, like, are things okay Are things going to be okay? There's a whole lot out there to worry about. Everything coming out of the research community tells us that anxiety um, and worry is a cultural epidemic in America. That roughly 20% of the population age 18 and above uh, suffers from some sort of either anxiety-related disorder or clinical depression, diagnosable depression. And that's just the people who've sought out help. I mean, what about the the people who haven't even actually reached out to seek out help? Uh, Who knows how high the number goes when we consider the population that hasn't even sought out help? A fifth of our population 
So whether we believe what Jesus is saying here or not, and I hope that we will believe what Jesus is saying here, we all have to come to grips with the reality that Jesus is talking about something that is relevant. He is talking about something that impacts and affects every single one of this, every single one of us, that's relevant to our lives and to our broader communities. So let's take a look at what Jesus is saying about worry and anxiety. Our outline this morning is just is real simple. We're going to look at how Jesus talks about anxiety, and then we're going to look at how Jesus talks about the promises of God. So anxiety. The first thing that Jesus does in this passage is he names what it is that we are anxious about. Look back at verse 25. Jesus says, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you're going to put on. Is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Jesus basically starts with the greater, thinking about life, and then he works down to the basics of life. And what he is really saying is that you're anxious about everything. You're anxious about life as a whole, all the way down to the basics of life and everything that is in between. And he starts with the root of what sustains humanity. Food, water, clothing, what's also known as uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Isn't it interesting? Maslow's actually just playing off of Jesus. I mean, there's, there's no, a number of things that we see that get developed over the years that if we go back and we look at the scriptures, we see Jesus was already talking about those things a long, long, long ago. But Jesus gets at these basic necessities of life. And in verses 25 through 31, Jesus in one shape, form, or fashion names that we can be anxious about the most basic things of life. And he's asking us the question, sometimes even directly, why are you anxious about these things? Now, consider with me for a moment Jesus' immediate audience that's hearing this. You see, because the basics of life would have been a very real and pressing concern that those people would have had in an agricultural society. They would have been pressing issues, and certainly in some parts of our world today, these are actually also very pressing issues. Jesus' audience would have had to concern themselves with whether or not the crops would actually yield enough food for them to eat. Whether or not the harvest would actually come in so that they could actually make the clothes to wear on their bodies and clothe themselves with. And that is true for some parts of our world today. If we bring this into our own context, what's true is that we actually have a hard time identifying with this. We want something to eat, we go to a store and we buy it and we bring it home, we eat it. If we, if we need something to wear, we go and we buy it. We are a bit removed from the agricultural society that Jesus is addressing here. And yet, can't you imagine Jesus' original audience saying, but what if, Jesus? What if? What if the rains don't come? And what if the crops don't yield? And what if, what if the harvest doesn't come in? And though we may not ask what if about the basic things of life, every single one of us knows what it's like to ask 
but what if, Jesus? And that question actually gets at the core of what Jesus is most concerned with here in verse 25. You see, he bookends verse 25 with this idea of life. Don't be anxious about life. Is not life more than food and clothing? You see, the what if question that we ask points us to this lingering underneath that's not just food and clothes, but the other thing that Jesus addresses life. And the other thing is an all encompassing thing, it's everything. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, like, you're worrying about everything. You're anxious about everything. Maybe there are some of us here who have wondered what if about food and clothing. That might very very well be a need that is in our midst. And we need to attune ourselves to those things. And if you've never met somebody who's had to worry about those things, get out there. Meet those people. But certainly all of us have wondered what if about life in the biggest possible sense, but also in the most common of things. What if the chemotherapy doesn't work? Uh, What if the stent doesn't help? What if the HVAC system blows? What if the car doesn't hold up? What if the anxiety medication doesn't really affect my life? What if it actually turns me into someone that I'm not? What if the business doesn't turn a profit? What if the the medical bills just pile up until we are in debt up to our eyeballs? And maybe you're out there and you're like me and your response to Jesus saying, don't be anxious, is Jesus? If I could stop, don't you think I would? Jesus, don't you think that if I had strength to just get over this on my own, that I wouldn't have done that years ago? Every time that I tell myself to stop worrying, it's like the anxiety digs in deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus, I'm helpless. You're sitting here telling me to be anxious, not to be anxious, and I'm telling you I've tried, and I can't do it. Many of you know mine and Carrie's uh, story and ultimately ending up here. But we graduated from seminary in St. Louis in 2012, and we graduated at a time where there were almost 50 people who were in my graduating class, and there were about five uh, church positions that were open. So we were all interviewing for the same positions, and 45 of us didn't really have uh, a, a job in the market that we had studied for that was uh, out there. And so we had to move back in with my folks in South Carolina with two babies and another one on the way. And in that season of my life, I was overwhelmed with worry, with anxiety about whether or not I was going to be able to provide for my family about whether or not I was going to receive any sort of work. I found myself asking God, God, did you just like, did you just send us to St. Louis for nothing? 
absolutely to the point, so overwhelmed to the point that emotionally and mentally, it's like I was stuck. That I absolutely could not move from where I was at. And I was saying, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. I hear what you're saying. Don't be anxious. I've given it all that I've got, and it hasn't worked. Well, consider with me for a moment, maybe that's exactly what Jesus wants us to see. Maybe Jesus, full of truth and grace, is looking back at us and saying, you're exactly right. You can't do this alone. You can't just pull up your emotional and mental and psychological bootstraps and conquer anxiety. You need to step into a bigger reality than your anxiety. And Jesus is bidding us in this passage to step into that bigger reality. And that bigger reality is God's promises. Jesus is bidding us to come and to step into God's promises here. And he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us exactly what God's promises are. He doesn't leave us with don't be anxious without undergirding it with the work that God is doing in his world and his kingdom. Jesus says you're worried about the whole of life, everything, and he invites us to take a step back and consider a bigger reality. Look back at verses 26 and then some of 28 through 30. Jesus tells us, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor they gather into barns and yet you're Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then he also says to us, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God, if he clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and then tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus looks at us and he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't do the farming that you do. And they don't gather it all up and bring it into the barn and the storehouse. And yet, God looks after them. Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. How God arrays them with his glory and makes them beautiful clothing. Look at the grass. How God clothes it and he grows it. As a matter of fact, both the lilies and the grass are more beautiful than King Solomon in his finest robes. Jesus is inviting us to step into a bigger reality of God's promises of provision and care for us. And Jesus is saying, look at God's care for creation. Look around you at everything around you. Look at the bigger picture and recognize this. What man does and makes does not even come close to holding a candle to what God does, to God's provision and his handiwork. And then Jesus reminds us, if God cares for creation like this, how much more do you think he cares about you and me? Jesus gives us this picture of a God who is so big and so powerful that he, he actually sustains all of creation. And yet he's so close and he's so personal that he looks at us in the eyes and says, 
I care more about you than any of these things. I care about every detail of your life. Everything that you worry about, everything that we worry about, everything that makes you anxious, that makes us anxious, God cares. As a matter of fact, God cares more about everything than any of us collectively care about anything. God cares. And interspersed in the middle of Jesus' description of God's care for all of creation and his sustaining all of that, he asks us a question in verse 27. He says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? As I was reading uh, commentaries on this passage this week, there was one thing that came up in, in one of the commentaries that I was reading that was looking at how we translate from the original text. And, uh, and what this commentator said is that this, this question can actually technically be translated uh, as Jesus saying, how much of you, by worry, can add length to your span? Basically saying, like, if you were to look at it very technically and literally, how many of you, by worrying, can make yourself taller? And it, it, I've heard of people yeah, talk about these moments of, like, you know, sometimes I read the Bible and I think that word is just for me. And, and I, find myself, I found myself saying, well, yeah, Jesus, I've tried to worry myself into six feet tall for 20 years. Yeah. But I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. I think that what we have in front of us is a bit more accurate. Jesus is actually getting at something that makes more sense than trying to worry ourselves into being taller. Um, The question makes so much sense, doesn't it? Because Jesus points out something that we all know. That we cannot add time to our lives by worrying. Every statistic in the health community tells us that a stress-filled life is ultimately a shortened life. That it doesn't last longer. That if our lives are characterized by stress and anxiety, that in the end game, we will live shorter than we otherwise would have. And so Jesus is naming what we already know. That stress doesn't add to our lifespan. But Jesus is actually also concerned about the day today as well too. Let me bring this down a little bit onto the daily level. You see, because anxiety and stress doesn't only shorten our life in the end game, it actually takes the day away too. It applies to the smallest amounts of time. If we spend our days worrying about things, we miss out on relationships and opportunities and responsibilities. Y'all have heard me confess to you before that that I have a bent to just want to fix everything. A problem comes up and I think to myself, how can I control this and manage this and and fix this? I have a fix-it mentality. And what can happen sometimes is I can take that fix-it mentality and I can bring that anxious mentality home with me and lose the day. Because I miss the joy of my children and my wife just wanting to be with me in my presence. My kids aren't looking to me to fix it all. They just want to be with dad. 
Carrie's not looking at me to fix it all. She just wants to be with me because she hasn't seen me all day. And if my life revolves around worry and stress and anxiety, I can miss that. And I don't get that day back. We don't get those days back. And this fix-it mentality shows something to us about our hearts that I think that Jesus is getting at here. It shows us that we ultimately have a hard time trusting in God's ultimate goodness and his care for us. We have a hard time trusting God. I think that's why Jesus points out to us, oh, you of little faith. You see, faith is an act of trust, of saying, God, I trust you with my life, with everything. And so Jesus, in this question, is shrouded an accusation of a lack of trust on our part. And so the question comes to us, and I would venture to say that every single person in this room this applies to, what are you not trusting God with? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that everybody in here has at least something in our lives that we are not trusting God with. Is it your work? Is it your family? Maybe for some of us it's our daily bread. What is it that we are not trusting God with? And I think deep down... Ultimately, what we want is we want the ability to control the outcomes of our lives. Deep down, we trust ourselves more than anything else. We think that we can make happen what we want to happen. And we put all of our energies into managing that, into controlling that. And over and over again, life shows us that we don't have the control that we think that we have. Hard as we might try. The root of our anxiety is that we don't trust God and that we want control, we want security, and we fight tooth and nail to attain those things for ourselves, and yet it all eludes us in our own power. And again, Jesus says, you're right. You can't do this thing called life alone. You need to step into a bigger reality than your anxieties. You need to step into God's promises. Step into seeing how God sustains and cares for creation. And step into God's promises that include even a bigger picture than just what we see right in front of us. Step into God's promises that include his whole kingdom. You see, Jesus tells us three times, don't be anxious. And then as he comes to the end of that, we come to verse 33, and Jesus says, but instead of being anxious, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm curious how many people in here, when I just said that, had a song run through your mind because I'm imagining growing up and, and all of that. But Jesus says, seek God's kingdom. Instead of being anxious, instead of worrying, seek 
God's kingdom. He invites us to step into God's kingdom, which is rooted in God's promises. And what Jesus is doing is he is inviting us to take our eyes off of ourselves, off of, uh, of our circumstances, off of our desire to control all of the outcomes of our lives and to look up and see God and his kingdom and what he is doing. Well, that's great, but what is this kingdom that Jesus is talking about here? Well, we've already seen that it includes creation. But Jesus is also pointing us to something bigger and greater, too. That God's kingdom includes redemption, salvation, and healing from brokenness. Think with me for a moment about what it meant for Jesus to believe his own words here. You see, everything that Jesus says that we have recorded for us in the Gospels, that he invites us to believe, he himself had to believe those things. What did it mean for Jesus to believe that really seeking God's kingdom was better than any worry that he might have? Jesus says these words, and what it meant for him was to run headlong into a cross. To, to, to just run right into his death. That's what it meant for Jesus to seek God's kingdom. That Jesus was going to become sin. And he was going to save us and clothe us in his righteousness. As Jesus believes his own words here, we know what it is that he is ultimately running into. And so whatever our worries, whatever our anxieties... Imagine how Jesus might be able to identify with us in those. You and I are worried about houses, about cars, about our futures, about the future of our kids, about our society. And I get it. Like it feels like we're, we're, just, we're, we're just increasingly growing into a society that just wants to talk past each other. We're worrying about all of these things. We're even worrying about cancer. And we're, we're worrying about chronic pain and depression. And Jesus calls us in all of that to seek God's kingdom, knowing that what it meant for him was certain, brutal, agonizing death. And even worse than that, it meant him becoming our sin even though he never sinned. And absorbing God's judgment for our sin. Even though Jesus knew no anxiety, he became anxiety for us. He became our worry for us that we might have forgiveness, that we might be clothed in his righteousness, beloved. Jesus can handle our futures. Jesus can even handle our certain and inevitable death. Jesus can handle our suffering. And Jesus never promises us that life is going to be easy. That our lives are going to be without death and suffering. As a matter of fact, he promises us the opposite. That it is going to include those things. He assures us that these things will come and he invites us to cast our cares 
on to him. To say in the midst of those things, Jesus, I want to follow you in the biggest possible picture. And what that biggest possible picture is, beloved, is resurrection. It's resurrection life. Because Jesus gave himself for all of the things that contribute to our anxiety and worry. And Jesus even gave himself for our anxious hearts that are bent on controlling all of our outcomes. And securing our own lives and futures. And sin could not hold him down. Death had no power over Jesus He rose from the dead and he actually unites us with him in that resurrection. Jesus is bidding us in this passage to reflect on that reality. That we belong to him. That we are heirs together in his kingdom and in reflecting on God's kingdom. And what God is doing in the biggest possible picture since Jesus is telling us when we are striving after that. The worries tend to fade. And it's somewhat counterintuitive because it's by thinking and reflecting on Jesus and what he's doing that our circumstances become a little bit less consuming. And the more that we think about controlling the things that worry us, the things that are ultimately out of our control, the more that they actually control us. And Jesus invites us to reflect On his resurrection. To reflect on what he purchased on the cross. To reflect on our resurrection with him. And beloved, in resurrection life, we not only have our daily bread. We have a feast that is put before us by our Savior. We not only have clothes, we are clothed in Christ's righteousness that knows no end and is everlasting, that we are invited to a kingdom that has no end, a kingdom that is a new heaven and a new earth where all of the tears are wiped away from our eyes and anxiety will be no more and we will join with our brothers and sisters in Christ's name to inhabit this kind of kingdom, this kind of world where sin exists no more and we have peace with God And with each other. Jesus gives us that ultimate kingdom vision to hang on to here. And Jesus is also very practical. Because he even addresses our today. Our day today as we await this kingdom that is to come. It's interesting Jesus ends with verse 34 and he says. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own troubles. I don't know about any of you, but I, have, I feel like I've only been in the presence of, a, of one person in my life, one human in my life, uh, that, was, that was facing something impossible um, and, and did not have a shred of worry or anxiety that I could tell. Um, And that was my grandfather on the day that he died. Uh, And you guys have heard me talk about my papa, and I miss him so much. Uh, It's been 10 plus years 
uh, since he's been gone. But on the day that he died, he had... um, He was a couple of days removed from his third major surgery in the span of about 30 days. And he had had his uh, chest cracked open um, numerous times to deal with paper-thin lungs that were just deteriorating uh, away because of all of the smoking that he had done for years and years and years. And we walked with him through that process, seeing him every day in the hospital, whether it was an ICU or in a bed, and ultimately he came out of this last surgery, which we didn't even know if he was going to make it through that, um, and he did, and, and then they put him into a rehab facility, and my dad and I were with him on the morning that he ultimately passed away that afternoon, and we were getting him situated, and we were getting him settled in, and, uh, and everything, and, and my papa looked at, uh, looked at both of us, and he said, I think I'm ready to go home. And, uh, and my dad and I, being so consumed by everything that was right in front of us, caring for him and everything, we were like, Papa, Daddy, um, it's, it's going to be a long recovery. I don't, I don't know how far off home uh, re- really is. Like, it's, it's not going to be anywhere um, in the near future. And as we began to explain all of the intricacies of that to him and everything, he just looked at us with a smile on his face. See, because he knew something that we didn't do. He knew that he was going to see Jesus. He knew that he was getting to go home to the place where the deterioration of his body was no more and that he was going to get to be with his Savior. And he was inviting us to see how big God's kingdom is. And my dad and I couldn't get outside of ourselves to think about the thing that was right in front of us. And my papa just smiled at me because he knew exactly where he was going. He was going to see Jesus that very day. And here's what's true. My papa's lack of anxiety in the face of death was not about how he mustered it up to get over it. Not even a little bit. No, only Jesus could work something like that into him. Only Jesus can work something like that into us. Jesus was drawing him to see how beautiful his kingdom really is. And for a moment, we got to see that window too. And through my papa, Jesus was inviting me and my dad to see how big his kingdom really and truly is. And he is inviting every single one of us to see how great and wonderful he is. So, whether today is mine or yours last day, or whether we have many, many days to come and years ahead of us, what's true is none of us can do this alone. We need Jesus. And we need Jesus every moment of every day to open our eyes to his finished and sufficient work for us by taking our place for sin and giving us clothes of righteousness and a new world in which sin will be no more and the tears will be wiped from our eyes. And he's given us each other in the in-between to remind ourselves that our Jesus holds forever Those that he loves. And Jesus looks at us and he says, 
Take it one day at a time. Fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on what I've done. Fix your eyes on my kingdom, and that will bring peace out of even the most worry-filled days. Let's pray together. Father, there is so much in this world that is so easy for us to be anxious about. We wake up in the morning and we're anxious. We go to bed in the evening and we struggle with worrying about the day to come. Would you, Holy Spirit, work it into our hearts to believe Jesus this morning? To believe that Jesus is inviting us into what he has done. Into his death for us that we would be clothed in righteousness. Into his resurrection that also awaits us in a new heaven and a new earth. Would you give us kingdom reality, a perspective that is bigger than ourselves and that is wrought through and by your grace forever and always. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with worry and anxiety, welcome to the club. Um, It's something that I think that all of us are struggling with. And this is an invitation to, uh, I'd love to talk with you about it, share with you how I'm struggling with those things, and we can strive together to point each other to Jesus. But Jesus wants us to know that before we leave these doors this morning, that he wants to bless us and send us out, knowing that his kingdom is bigger than anything that we can imagine. So hear God's blessing and strive to live in light of the reality of what Jesus has done for us, beloved. The Lord bless you and keep you. This week, the smile of the Father is upon you, even in the midst of your most worry-filled moments. He is looking at you and he is gracious to you. And today and this month and this year and forever and ever, God's presence is and will be with us, beloved, and he will make us whole, all of this, because of Jesus. Go in peace.